Hello, and welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. If you don't want a cookie-cutter, generic home, and instead you want a beautiful, meaningful home that's layered with personality, then you are going to be so inspired by the conversations we have on this show. We talk about why the environments we create matter and how to set up our rooms to evoke specific feelings and experiences that are right for you wherever you are in your life right now. I'm Zandra, your host and creator of the Slow Style Home Framework that teaches you how to make really thoughtful and informed decisions about your home rather than chasing current trends that may not last or staying stuck with rooms you hate, feeling overwhelmed with too many choices. Right now, when you join our monthly membership, the Slow Style Society, you'll get a personalized deep dive into your vision of what a dream home looks and feels like. And together, we'll come up with a plan on how to achieve that. If that sounds pretty awesome to you, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society for all of the details. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later on. Right now, let's just jump into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Style Matters Podcast, brought to you by Little Yellow Couch. I'm Zandra, your host, and I am so glad you're here. If you are struggling to figure out what's not working in your home, or you buy things but you're not happy with them for very long, or if you just feel like you don't have the time to make your home beautiful because life keeps getting in the way, then I've got a place for you to start. Take the Little Yellow Couch quiz, what's the number one mistake you're making in your home, and then I'll send you some specific steps to take to address that problem and get you loving your home faster while spending less money and less time in that place of overwhelm where you don't know what to do. Just go to littleyellowcouch.com and click on the yellow quiz button at the top. All right, on to today's episode. My guest is Jessica Riley, the blogger behind Domicile 37. She has a degree in industrial design with a minor in interior design, but these days she's putting that knowledge into developing her signature style in her own home. And wow, does she have an incredible eye for design. I highly recommend you check out the show notes page for this episode so you can see the photos of her home that we're referencing, because this interview just doesn't do it justice. All right, here's Jessica. Well, Jessica Riley, welcome to the Style Matters podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I want to jump into thrifting because I know that's really big with you. In fact, uh, for anyone who's listening, if you want to get her guide to thrifting, which I downloaded, I thought it was really helpful. Just go to her website, domicile. Is it just domicile37.com? Yep. Okay, we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes, but you've got this great, I mean, it's really a magazine that, that goes into how to thrift and where to thrift and all that kind of stuff. And you did a post called Saving the World Through Thrifting. Uh-huh. And so it's big. It's big for you. Um, and I want to know if you could tell us a little bit about your mom and how she kind of got you started. You didn't even know that she was doing that. And, and you were kind of reluctant uh, to get into thrifting at first. So tell us kind of the background first. Okay. Well, growing up, um, I spent my elementary years in Hawaii. My mother Mm. 
was going to school and working while my while my stepfather was in the military and there are five of us total i'm my mom's child and then mm -hmm. i have my sister and then the other are my step siblings okay um and so when you were living on a military budget you're not really making much Right. And so she would buy our clothing from the thrift, from the flea market, not the thrift store, but the flea market. And she would <laughs> haul us kids with her, like on the weekends, we'll wake up early in the morning and we'll go to the flea. She even sewed clothes for us too. That was another thing. And she would bring home um, furniture. That's how she furnished our house. Ah, was. So, so you did, but you really weren't like attuned to it. It actually wasn't until I was married that I first stepped foot into a thrift store. And what in, happened? Tell us that story. So I walked in. I went to, I think it was called like the DI, and I walked right back out. I could not stand the smell. I was just like, oh my goodness, it stinks in here. And I didn't buy anything. And then after I had my first child, the recession was really high, and I quit my 9 to 5 job, and then I found another job. But due to the recession, I wasn't paid what I was worth, and my husband was still in school. So sure. I went back into that same thrift store that I once walked out of and I held my breath and I went shopping. And now you are this, like the queen of thrifting. I mean, so tell us now about in this blog post, I'm talking about saving the world through thrifting. You talk about the environmental and financial benefits, which to buying anything secondhand, which I think are pretty clear, but you also talk about the fact that there's creative benefits to thrifting so tell us what you mean by that so my desire to have a nice house on a budget came through instinct and yeah. my back being pushed against the wall how can I obtain this look that I see in the magazine if I only make this much yeah so I started flipping furniture and I would only flip what was durable and dirt cheap or free okay. I would either fix it up paint stain or sometimes just even clean it. <laughs> right. Sometimes that's all it needs is a good rag and some soap. Yes. And then I would resell it. So so the creativity then is, it's really born from necessity, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. And I, I do, I, I find that in any project I'm doing, when I have some restrictions, that, that actually helps me be more creative because then I've got some boundaries. Otherwise, it's really hard to make choices because you can choose any color in the rainbow. You can choose from so many different fabrics and patterns and mm -hmm. materials. And sometimes it's overwhelming where if you do have some restrictions, either budget restrictions or space restrictions or whatever, I do think it actually, because then you're creative problem solving, right? Oh, yes. Yes, you're yeah, making so it work for you. So you have this series, this your DIY knockoff series, which are almost always about like you see something that's pretty expensive by some designer that you really love way out of anyone's normal's price range. And then you you make your own. Right. So it's the DIY knockoff. And yeah. I was wondering if you could give a couple of examples, kind of describe for us a couple of your favorites. My favorite pieces that I knocked off one was a Kelly Wurstler box. It okay. was originally supposed to be like a Ceruse application. Okay, so tell for, for the Ceruse uh, uh, technique, tell us a little bit about that for people who don't know about that. It's, it's a liming technique. I wanted, you could Ceruse in, in different ways, but I wanted to do a black Ceruse where mm -hmm. the base of it is like 
a black or sometimes it looks more like a dark indigo color and then you could kind of see the veining of the oak or the wood with the lime right the lime or wax or i mm -hmm. i don't i've never done the application but i i know what the finished product looks like yes. and it's kind of like a right you can see the grain of the wood yes through yes. this wash this lime or wax it's or a, whatever it's it is. a lime wax i okay. don't know how to explain it well that's what i the little kit that i bought that's what it said <laughs> oh, okay great right so you so, found the kit okay yeah i did however it was a big fail it didn't turn out at all oh and why? So, i love fail stories tell us why i don't know what i did wrong but <laughs> so what did it look so it didn't look the way it was supposed to no, you couldn't even see the grain work. Oh. You couldn't, like, the wax didn't take to it. And so instead, I, I turned it into, like, a plaid-looking box. Oh. And I I didn't think I was going to like it because a lot of times when your first idea goes sour yep. and you resort to your second idea, it does. you don't normally like it because you were originally in love with that first idea. Yes. However, I really, really like it. I still have the box to this day. Oh, that's and... awesome. I don't plan everything out in advance. I certainly don't measure everything out in advance. And so I have a lot of fails. Um, yes. But what it always means for me, if I don't just toss the whole thing, because sometimes you just can't, you're already too deep into it, oh, is, yeah. again, you got to kind of get creative and try to figure mm -hmm. out how to fix the mistake. And then in your case, like you end up with something completely different. But I love it that it's one of your favorite, you know, DIY projects that you've done. Yeah, my next one was the shibori napkins, and that was another DIY fail because I was too impatient to let the color soak in. It didn't come out as dark as I wanted to, but I actually liked it more than I oh, thought I would. Great. Well, speaking of table settings, your dining room, I think, might be my favorite room in your home. And I think it's because there's some formality to it, or at least some elegance maybe is a better word. It's not stuffy at all, but there's all this life to it. And I think it's the, I think it's that wall that's wallpapered with all the shelves and all the stuff in it. You don't usually see that kind of a, that kind of a look in a dining room. First describe for us the dining room itself. And then I'm going to ask you about how you use it, but I'm not going to jump there yet. Okay. So you're going to think this is crazy because that was also another project from the knockoff DIY series where we, oh. we chose certain designers that we liked and we were trying to knock off their style. And I chose like Iris Atfell. Well, of course, I didn't see the before, so I don't know, you know, how much of a dramatic change it made, but the wallpaper is really stunning. But again, what I love about it is how you've styled in front of it with those shelves. And again, I don't, I just don't feel like we do that in dining rooms. Dining rooms are usually, they're very plain, right? Because they're all about the table and the chairs and maybe the chandelier. So the fact that you've really done up the dining room walls, it just makes it feel very personal. And I don't know if that has anything to do with your other use of the space, which I said I was going to get to, because you call it, um, what do you call it? Your dining room and your, and a workspace. What do you mean by that? Yes. Yeah, so I call it a workspace because I have like a little Etsy shop and that's where all of my treasures that I sell uh -huh. on Etsy, I would store them on that back wall. So that was more like you know oh. how people layer their homes with art and decor. That yeah. was my shop. 
Wow, that is so cool because instead of, you know, most people will probably put that kind of stuff in a plastic bin, an ugly plastic bin in the basement, but you actually sort of used it as decor, kind of rotating out as you would sell it. That's great. It's a great use of that space too. All right, moving on from your dining room, you also have this huge living area. At least it looks really big to me. I think it might be the best example I have ever seen regarding how to make an oversized room work. Because, I mean, you've done what we're all told to do, and I believe in as well, which is carving out kind of different areas for different activities in this one great big room. But what strikes me about it is how it doesn't, it doesn't even look like a modern open floor plan. Because those often come across as kind of cookie cutter-ish. Mm-hmm. So first describe it for us and then tell us what was your thought process as you were first approaching this space and kind of how has it evolved? Oh my goodness. My living room is huge. <laughs> it measures approximately 20 feet by 25 feet. Oh my gosh, that is so huge. It is. Um, so I'm going to walk you guys through in front of my faux bar. And if you look at my pictures, you guys know exactly where my faux bar is because I take a lot of photos and I, I love that area. It's it's the area right underneath my skylights. And why do you call it faux bar? Because I don't drink, but I have a collection <laughs> of, of, I don't, um, I guess alcohol bottles and um, what, you know, decanters and, and glassware, but I do not drink. And this is where hoarding and collecting comes into play. Like, I see it, I like it, I buy it, so therefore I display it. That's so <laughs> funny because, I mean, well, you know, the thing about bar paraphernalia, it, it can be so beautiful and elegant. So, yes. Yeah, I get it. I get why you have it. All right. Keep I going. like how the light shines on it. Yes. Um, yes. So, in front of my faux bar sits our game table. Next okay. to that, we have are what I call the TV area. Mm-hmm. And then we have a sitting area in front of our fireplace. And what separates our TV area from the sitting area is a long vintage sofa with a console table behind it. Okay, yeah. And then in the back of our living room, we have a dining area that houses a 10-foot dining table. It is kind of narrow. So the the space back there is kind of narrow. So I had to build a table that was proportionate to this to this space right because I don't know that most people would even think of putting a dining area in this room but it works you totally make it work I tried a lot of different things back here but I always knew from the moment we moved in that a table needed to be back here I just didn't know where to buy one it is very narrow however you can and before I built it I put you know like place settings on there to make sure that people can eat would sit comfortably and what, what you said, you always knew from when you moved in that a table needed to be there. Why, why, how did you know that? When I design a space, I kind of like to sit silently in that space and kind of soak in all of the elements. And, and I don't know, it's kind of more like a visual thing. You kind of, I could lay it out in my head because nothing else in my room has changed. Mm-hmm. Like my, my furniture placement, everything has always been the same since we moved in. So I knew this is where this is going. That's where that seating area is going. And once I found a game table, I knew it was going to be underneath that tape, underneath the skylight because hmm. that's, it made sense to put it there. I have, I moved the table. I have, but I always move it back because that's hmm. the best place for it. 
I love that idea of just sitting in a space for a little bit quietly, you know, and not, and, and letting, letting the space kind of talk to you a little bit. Yes. I wrote a blog post about um, the whispers of the house and how Ooh. it can guide you with designing and, and decorating a space. It kind of tells you exactly what it wants. It doesn't necessarily like physically speak to you, but you could kind of gather from just sitting in there and observing or even seeing how the space functions, what's going to happen in there and how you should um, design it. So you walk into this great big room when you first buy the house Mm -hmm. and what were some of your first thoughts about what you wanted to do? Oh, in this great big room. Oh my goodness, girl, let me (laughs) just tell you, I had other plans for this room. I didn't see my house when we first bought it, my husband moved to, out to Texas about mm-hmm. three months before I did. And I thought by looking at the pictures, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to create a, a house with European flair and it's going to have sun bleached floors okay. and it's going to look amazing. Well, I walk in here and I'm just like, oh no, that's <laughs> not what this space is saying to me. It's telling me that I need black floors. And then once I figured out what color the floors were, I'm like, okay, the fireplace is going to be black too, because I'm not doing this whole color blocking, contrasting thing. I'm going to pull it all the way up all and right. also with the doors. And then, but this is where I made the biggest mistake. I didn't think when I chose the paint color originally in this living room, I was just so excited and I wanted to hurry and paint the space and get things rolling before the kids came back from their grandma's uh-huh. that I painted the walls white I never planned on painting my house white I wanted color however I needed the walls to be not the color that they were but I didn't take into consideration the direction of where the natural light was coming the skylights Mm. or all the other elements in the space but once I painted the room I hated it Right. You liked the black though, right? Yes. I, yes. I painted the black afterwards. So I, I knew that I was going to do black floors. I just didn't know what color I wanted the walls. Therefore okay. I settled for white. Gotcha. Um, and I turned over to my husband and he looks at me, he's like, well, I'm not repainting it. So make it work because it was, it was a, it's a big room. And then the ceilings are vaulted and, and there's just a lot to do. Oh. Um, and so I, tried my hardest to make it work we kept the floors black we had white walls and then on the shelving I painted it like this lavender this moody lavender color I I ended up going with this lavender color because the white in the the white on the walls had a purple undertone I was trying to make it make sense to me all right, and so so you got the colors down. You you, you dealt, you know, you get the white. Not happy about it, but then I feel like the lavender built-ins are kind mm-hmm. of the star of the show, right? They kind of draw oh, your yes. eye. Yes, I yeah. I love them, and that's also where the layering of the room came. I was trying so much to bring warmth to these cold, stark walls. Well, I want to wrap up with my my signature question about why does mm-hmm. style matter, okay. and. I'm interested in your thoughts on why does it matter to you personally and also kind of big picture. What what does claiming your style and creating a beautiful space mean for for, for anyone, for our, our life experience, I guess. Just thinking a little bit more broadly. Okay. 
why does style matter? Well, I believe that it only matters if you make it matter. As someone who loves design, it matters to me because I consider my home to be my brand. You walk mm. into my home, you know exactly what you're getting. You can spot my personality from a mile away. I have such a strong design style that I think has rubbed off on my children. They see me creating in the home, therefore they want to too. Mm. And that makes me happy because they're learning a skill and they're seeing first how, firsthand how things are put together, how it's done. And although I don't know if they're going to use it in the future, I know that if they had to use it, that they will succeed. Mm. I always say that my home has split personality. It is not necessarily cohesive in color or theme, but it flows in a way that my mind works. And the older I get, the more I realize that that is me. I am full of emotion, color, pattern, texture, and so much more. And and that's okay. Mm. And it's more than okay. Wow, yes. it's gorgeous. Yeah. I feel like nowadays, and, and claiming your style, especially in, in the world that we live in where people are telling you how to be and who to be and what to be in and what to watch and how you should be living your life. When you know who you are, you're okay with that. Mm. Therefore, you're telling them, I like me. I like my style. So I think it's, it's important because I don't, the last thing I want is for my kids to, to see me doing something just because someone else is telling me to do it. Mm. And I want them to be able to stand on their own and, and to do things on their own without feeling the need to please someone else or to please a society that honestly could care less about what they're doing. Mm. Wow, that's a really powerful answer. I love that answer. Thank well, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, I would so appreciate it if you'd rate us on iTunes so that other home-obsessed people can find our show too. And don't forget to take the quiz, What's the Number One Mistake You're Making in Your Home, over at littleyellowcouch.com. Have a great week, and I will talk to you next Monday. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.